This is the iRacers Lounge, featuring the latest iRacing news, driver interviews, race reviews, opinions, discussions, rumors, and more. Now here's Alan Fajari and Mike Ellis. Welcome to iRacers Lounge, a show where we discuss everything iRacing in a group casual setting. I'm Alan Pajari. With me is Mike Ellis and Carlos Fonseca. Right. Good evening, guys. Yep, that's it. Uh, we did have a scheduled uh, guest tonight, uh, but uh, there was no confirmation from him, so uh, so we'll hopefully be able to schedule him for our next show. But we have a lot of topics, and so let's uh, let's move on. Um, just want to say, uh, hopefully you guys might uh, listen to this by the time it's over with, but uh, iRacing is, uh, has extended their offer of the half price uh, renewal membership, and it's up to July 6th now. So if you haven't done it yet, you got up to July 6th, and uh, it's for $49 for a year. You can, you can do that up to five times, and just make sure you use the promo code of PR dash early renewal 2015 take advantage of that offer um, and on a couple weeks ago I racing sent out a member poll uh, Mike did you uh, complete that member poll that they sent out yeah you know I was kind of surprised to get a poll because I think it's the first time they've done it since I've been around uh, which is over three years yeah, Carlos? Oh, I have no clue what you guys are talking about. What, what this is all about? <laughs> all right. So anyway, in our email, uh, about a couple of weeks ago, they, they got this email from my racing saying, uh, please complete this poll, questionnaire, whatever it was called. And so when you clicked clicked on it, it was, uh, it was a bunch of questions from my racing about what your – personal opinion is on many different topics and I'm only going to uh, talk about maybe four things here and one of them is uh, would you like to see all official series have qualifying attached to the race session so Carlos why don't you give us your opinion on that would you like to see qualifying right before the race session in all series well personally yeah I would say no for the oval side of things, but hey, it's not nothing bad, so, you know, I'm all for it. Yeah, Mike? Yeah, I kind of like the idea. You know, I've seen how it's worked out in some of the road series, and, um, I, you know, why not, you know? And uh, so it's what's neat about this is they're asking the racers their opinion, and uh, it was a neat multiple choice to be able to weigh in on uh, a lot of topics. Yeah, that's that's... To me, having the uh, first of all, having the questionnaire was great, um, but having the qualifying attached to the race sessions, I think, is a wonderful idea. I'd like to see it across all all the series. Um, I'm one of those guys that might not qualify based on my car number in or what split I'm in or that type of stuff, and so it really gives you an opportunity to to see that firsthand and. So that's one thing I, I, I like. Um, another question that they ask is, would you like to see AI in the game? Mike? Yeah, and for those who don't know, artificial intelligence, which means uh, computer-driven cars as opponents. Uh, every other video game in the world out there for racing uh, has AI. You, and 
iRacing is probably one of the notable exceptions to that. But, uh, you know, we talked about this a little offline, Alan, and you were saying, well, maybe it'll draw in a different kind of racer and draw in more people. Yeah, it, it, it could. I know, uh, personally, my son, he enjoys the games with AI because basically that's all he races against. Um, me, personally, if it was in iRacing, I, I would actually use it uh, for, like, cars I don't really drive that often, like sprint cars and stuff like that. I think it'd be fun to, to drive those things. And, and also, it might have me give me an opportunity to, to work on skills and racecraft and stuff around other cars, even though they're AI. They're not real people. Um, and, and work on, on things and, and try to improve my racing before I'm actually in there with other people. Hell, that's a good idea, unless you're racing the Project Cars AI, and forget that. <laughs> so, I guess there's a quality issue that certainly has to be addressed if it's going to be successful. They seriously need to go look at tips from a GameStop car in our factor, because they do a really good job on that. Alright. <laughs> I I personally don't have those games. I know my son does, and, uh, but yeah, that even... Even back in the old NASCAR 2003, it was fun to race against the AI. So, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind it if they did it. I understand the reason why people say no and and that type of stuff. But, you know, I don't think it would be that difficult for them to do what they did before in their old games. So um, I have no problem with them throwing it in. And also it would be good if it was if, if when they have that offline mode, too, um, that you don't have to be connected to the Internet to be able to do it. Yeah, that's a really neat. Uh, there were a lot of questions around that AI, and it, it was certainly something. It, it appears that they were they wanted to get input on from the drivers, so it, it must be something they're considering. I say, if they got time to throw it in, why not? If they don't, just focus on more important stuff. Yep, and one of the more important things is tracks. They ask questions about tracks. What tracks do you like to see now? I actually put two of them that I would like to see in here. Um, one is I love the old Hickory racetrack. Um, I, it's a short track. It'd be great for the late models and all the short track race cars that they have. Um, but that would, that used to be one of my favorite tracks in, the, in one of the old games. And I would love to see that one. And then of course, uh, one that isn't around anymore. Uh, so they can't laser scan it, but, uh, but, uh, maybe they can, still put it in because at one time they had a pretty good rendition of it, which was North Wilkesboro. Those were my uh, two choices on that. Uh, what'd you put, Mike? I had kind of a brain fart there of thinking of tracks that are not nigh racing, but I did come up with one, PPIR, which is Pikes Peak International Raceway, just uh, outside Colorado Springs. Oh, yeah. Yep, and I know a lot of people uh, put down that I saw on the forums Eldora, which is obviously a dirt track, which the trucks go to. So that would be a combination of having dirt and a new track, which I'm sure once they do dirt, Eldora will probably be the first one they have it on. So, um, But anyway, those were the two tracks I like to see. But one of the most interesting questions that they had is, what is the most important item they had uh, for them to work on? Now, they had several choices. And, well, first off, are those several choices? Mike, which one did you did you pick? I believe it was the uh, dyna dynamic track and weather condition. 
Yeah. Uh, now, Carlos, you didn't see it, so you didn't answer. But nope. uh, speaking of that dynamic track, uh, I recently came out with a new YouTube video just the other day talking about that. So, uh, Mike, uh, you saw the video. Why don't you uh, discuss a little bit? Yeah, you know, first off, kudos to iRacing for putting this out. It's a great way to communicate. You know, it's one thing to write a forum post and you got a wall of text, but it's another when you see it visually in a video on YouTube. And as they say, uh, you know, a picture's worth a thousand words. But I do implore you to go to the iRacing channel and check it out. Uh, it's called In Development Dynamic Tracks, and it was released uh, June 30th. Uh, by iRacing software engineer Dan Garrison, and uh, I think I think he's new, but I'm not sure. But uh, I'm going to try to uh, describe here what the video shows. But it's basically a discussion about dynamic tracks, <clears throat> a project they're currently working on, and then he's sitting in front of his laptop and literally showing us this. And he's really it's what is going on between the track and the tire. Uh, temperature changes in both the tire and the track itself. Uh, they show on screen uh, the Five Flag Speedway getting rubbered in. So what he had said is he turned up the conditions uh, and he ran the car around the track, you know, 50-some laps, and he showed a, you know, the, a screenshot every few laps, and you could see the track getting darker and darker as he ran the laps. Which was pretty cool, by the way. Yeah, a really neat effect visually that, you know, it was like watching a Bristol race if you were to pay attention to the a the asphalt and as it got black throughout the race. Except that one was next to the wall. Right. Um, they also had some really cool-looking temperature cameras that were showing, like, track temps as colors. So, you'd, you know, it, it would be red if it was, you know, real hot and blue if it was cool. And uh, as the track heated up and cooled, you could see those temperatures changing. Uh, time of day, you know, he was talking about sun angles on a certain part of the track really makes a difference. You know, one, one's going to be, one corner shaded, it's going to be cooler. The other corner where it's sunny, it's going to be hotter. Yeah, it, that, was, that was pretty, pretty neat, pretty spectacular, I think. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, and then... Uh, putting the marbles down as appropriate. So uh, as the laps are winding, the marbles will, will, will build up in the upper groove, so to speak, and, and build up. And he said, like, if you venture out there and get an upper groove, you're going to pick up those marbles on your tires and lose grip. But, but maybe somebody else went up there first and got those marbles out of the way, and you ventured up there, they're not going to be there as much. So... There's, it's really going to open up a lot of racing. Huh. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that I just immediately thought of is, you know, when he was talking about, you know, trying to search around the track, trying to find grip, you know, that just brings more more realism than, than I've ever seen in any kind of sim at all, you know, and I just thought, this is, this is neat. This is, this is going to change iRacing. Well, yeah, I think uh, everybody I know on Facebook probably uh, shared this video, and and I think uh, the comment I put is, uh, boy, it's a good time to be in iRacing, actually, with these really, really neat changes coming. 
Or if you get back to what Colton was talking about yesterday. Yeah, just hope they don't make us wait like three seasons for it to come out after teasing us with that video. Well, it could be yeah. a while. I mean, it looks like he's got his hands full. But what's neat about the video is, hey, it actually does work. It's on his laptop, on that video. He actually has it working. So it's not like it's just smoke and mirrors. They're actually working on this, and they got a working copy of it. Yep. Yep, it is neat. And kind of link it up to the uh, to the member poll that they had was, uh, which one of the iRacing staff is your favorite? <laughs> is your favorite or staff member? Uh, my new one is Dan Garrison. He's my favorite staff member right now. Yeah, yeah. You could put down the name of your. I guess it's a popularity contest. Uh, yep, that was one of the questions. But uh, what I think it ended. The video ended with. Uh, it's going to be a much more dynamic and unpredictable experience. He said the days of going out and doing a qualifying mock run in a practice, going in and making a change to the set, to set up, and going back out and, and trying to baseline off the previous one isn't going to work because there's more rubber down now, and the temperatures change, and the wind changes, and you know, and it, it's very unpredictable. Yeah, and that's that's another thing too is that as of right now, we all know, like most tracks, Jan, there's one line. There's one line, and once you get down that one line down, that's that's where you where you try to race, and and if you're making any passes, you're going to try to, you know, get right back onto that one line. And now with this, there could be multiple grooves, multiple places to run, and that just, you know, for me, that's racing. Well, and I think part of it too is it it'll change throughout the way. You know, it might be. The bottom is good at the beginning of the race, but towards the middle or the end of the race, the bottom's not as good anymore, you know? But you, and you got to be smart enough to realize that. Yeah, that's right. definitely something I can't wait for. Yeah, so like when you're, like, when you watch a race on, you know, live, a real NASCAR race, and you're, when you're watching, like, Carl Ar uh, Kyle Larson or uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. taking that high line, this is going to bring that to us. Yeah. Yeah, I'm probably going to be one of those Arnhards way up there. <laughs> and like you said, the first one who ventures up there is going to cl be cleaning the track, so to speak. Yeah, I'll let other people smack the wall first. <laughs> so I guess I'll be following you, Carlos. <laughs> uh, okay, and so the final thought on the video was it, basically this dynamic track is going to set up the opportunity to allow day-night transitions. And then weather transitions, like uh, into rain and that kind of thing. Right, which would be uh, like a 24-hour race that would watch in the, you start off during the day and then it goes at night and then it goes back to day again. And you might have a rain shower in the middle of the night. And, right. You know, that, that would be, to me, you know, like racing spa in the middle of the night while it's raining would be pretty interesting. <laughs> or as the sun comes up in the morning. Yeah, right. Sure, like stuff like weather like that. Probably take a huge hit on your performance. Yeah, that's another thing too. We're all going to have to have supercomputers. <laughs> yep. So, because there was another thing you mentioned too, is that this data is fed to the server. And then it needs to feed it back to each individual in the race. Something and about synchronizing 
making sure everybody's got the same. Right. So you, we're talking about a lot of processing power on both sides, actually, and a lot of a lot of data to transmit on both sides. So, um, yeah, it's going to be. Uh, it might be a thing where people are going to need high-end computers to be able to to handle a lot of this. But I, you know what? We'll find out. We'll find out what happens. Yeah, you know, and don't forget DX11, DX12, all that too, and how is that going to change the game? Right. So, anyway, I think, yeah, if it comes down to one word for me on this thing, cool. Awesome. Yep. Um, another topic is that someone posted in the forums about iRacing getting prices being too high. And uh, uh, one of the things that Tony Gardner, Gardner mentioned is that is that they invested millions and millions of dollars into this thing. John Henry and, and uh, Dave Kamer, they invested a lot of money into this thing. And now they're starting to actually see some revenue after six years of it, seven years. And But this revenue is not going to the owners. They're actually reinvesting. The revenue it's back into the product which is uh, a good business model actually to do and so you know I know a lot of people have problems with the, the cost of iRacing because you got to buy all your cars got to buy all your tracks and and you know how expensive the computer is and that type of stuff rather than just buying uh, you know a $400 PlayStation and getting a $40 game you know where you got all the tracks and cars and stuff, and but to me, iRacing is worth it. You know, it's it's more of a simulation. It's more of a hobby for me, um, and so I don't know, Mike. What's your what's your opinion on this? Well, if you want an opinion, there's a thousand of them in this forum, and uh, and. Interestingly, and this is kind of off a side topic we'll probably talk about later, uh, the, the forum, I believe, got shut down, the particular thread, because it got out of control. Uh, you know, there's, there was a war, to, a war of words escalating between the South Africans, the Australians, the Brits, the Americans, everybody was involved and uh, talking just what you said, uh, you know, is this a sim, is this a hobby, how does it compare to pricing to other hobbies, you know, that are outside the home, uh, that kind of thing. Anyway, but, hobby. yeah, so my, my big take out of it was exactly what Tony Gardner said. He said, quote, we're investing more now than ever into iRacing. And that's really nice to hear. Uh, and, and the other thing I wanted to bring up to, the, to our listeners is, is, who is this John Henry? And how important he is to this sim, because without him, there would not be iRacing at all. Uh, John Henry is uh, owns uh, Roush Fenway. He owns the Boston Red Sox. He owns a football league over in the UK. He's a billionaire, millionaire guy, and um, he personally has uh, funded the millions and millions of dollars that were invested. Quote from Tony Gardner. 
So what you're saying is pretty important to the sim. There isn't a sim without him, and I think everyone needs to take a moment and just thank uh, John, Mr. John Henry, uh, for everything he's done for this sport and uh, of sim racing. And uh, without him, I'm not sure where we would be. Yeah, that's true. Um, but uh, you know, the the question is: Is i racing affordable? And I think if you treat it as a hobby. I know a lot of people have hobbies of like restoring cars. Um, you know that that gets very expensive. Uh, you know, there's plenty of hobbies out there that are real expensive to do, and I feel that this can be a a price where you basically you set the price of your hobby. Yeah, you might have the cost of which you can do now, renew your membership for $49 a year, and just race the default stuff. You don't have to buy the cars. You don't have to buy the tracks. You can you can race the default stuff. You don't have to buy triples. You don't have to buy a cockpit. You don't have you to buy, you know, $1,000 plus brakes. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. Right. So, you know, so basically you're setting the price of, of this hobby if you want to race iRacing. So, and, you know, to me... You know, there's there's guys that have spent a lot more than I have in this in this game, and and we're getting the you know they're getting enjoyment out of it, and I'm getting enjoyment out of it, and there's people that have spent a lot less that are getting enjoyment out of it. So it really is a hobby where you can set the price. So uh, is iRacing affordable? Yes, yes it is. It's because you're the one that's making that choice. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. All right. I uh, want to mention that iRacing is now the title sponsor of the 2015 Blancpain Finale at Nürburgring Grand Prix on September 19th. Uh, it's called the iRacing GT500. So I believe they sponsored this race last year, and there is an expo there, and this year they're going to be previewing the Nürburgring tracks at it so kind of jealous of the people that get to see it first now to be clear we're talking about a real race right yeah it's a real uh blank blank plane uh uh i wouldn't want to call an endurance race it's more of their sprint even though their sprints are longer definitely longer than what ours are but so it's a blank plane race so it's a gt3 cars and stuff yeah very cool yeah i love to see the crossover uh, getting, you know, the word out there, especially to the Europeans. We could sure use a lot more of them. Hell, didn't they sponsor Marcus Ambrose one year? They've always sponsored people here and there. Uh, I think, like Alan mentioned, I think this is the second time they might have done, you know, a major title sponsor like this. Right, yeah. And like for Josh Wise, I think they they were on his car for a race. Uh, last year at one time and so and we'll talk about uh, Todd Majeski and they're the main sponsor for his car this year for his races so yeah they do uh you know they kind of have a uh, their foot in the door pretty heavily maybe more than a foot maybe a big leg in there in the door on some real racing getting uh more of the simulation stuff down uh let it be known to everyone and so Kudos to iRacing. 
And just looking at the release, the press release on this uh, GT500, uh, there's also an offer from iRacing for uh, $5 for a three-month subscription for new members. Uh, you have to use the PR code pr ring release 2015 Yeah, that's a steal. That's a good deal. Uh, I mean, we were just talking about it being affordable. Well, you can't beat five bucks for three months. No. Sure can't. I wish they can offer that to guys that are already members. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the $50 a year that they have right now is very affordable. Yeah. All right. On June 25th, they put out a new build, which was last Thursday. Um, and then we got to race Sonoma. Well, at least I should say some people got to race Sonoma. Um, there were some issues with this last build. Uh, they were fixing some uh, um, issues that they had, but right away they had problems with... Uh, um, during the daytime, there were some people that have that dynamic weather, and so there were reports of of each driver having different weather than the other driver had in the same race. Yeah, With, and the road guys, the European road guys, were freaking out on the forums about it because obviously it changed the you know the lap times. Right, and I would imagine the American road guys are pretty. <laughs> well, they usually aren't racing first thing in the morning. It's usually the Europeans at that point. But uh, yeah, they as soon as the the build came out, uh, they they noted that there was problems with it. Um, the build itself, you know, we're not going to go over the details of it. It was basically bug fixes and updated setups. Yep. But then, yeah. But I know personally, this one hit me. Because um, I tried to qualify for that Sonoma race, and uh, my sim kept on crashing before qualifying. I was, matter of fact, I was not too far away of just not racing that night because I was afraid that it was going to crash uh, trying to get into the race. And so, and, you know, that was the first time I had any, um, what I would call, a uh, bad experience with the sim crashing for me. Um, now, I had the website issue where everyone was affected by this stuff, but I've never had, like, the sim crash, and that, that happened on this build, so it really wasn't their best build. Yep, that really ended up hurting Jose. Yes, that's right, and uh, one of our team members, Jose Paban, he wasn't able to race at all that night. And, and, but he uh, was registered, right, so lost a yep. lot of I rating. Yep, registered and finishing last because he couldn't get in. Well, I know and uh, uh, me and Mike were in the same race, and there was uh, two guys that couldn't get in and one guy that was uh, had very difficulty uh, staying there for the race. Um, he kept on getting out, in and out, in and out, in and out. and uh, I, I think he reconnected like 30 times. Yeah, it was pretty bad for him. And he was actually pretty good there too, so kind of felt sorry for him. But... Uh, but uh, you know, I know it happens, and but uh, it would let's just say it was not the best build for him. But uh, to me, it's understandable. Um, you know, no matter how many testers that you have, until you get it out there in public, that's when you find out the real stuff. Unfortunately, but uh, that's what happens. And there's still there's still issues. Uh, 
there's, yeah, there's, it's a week later, and, and we're still having... Today, the big thing is bad gateway. Uh, a lot of people are reporting they, they're having bad gateway when they get on the, the website. I actually saw this a few times last night, but just by hitting refresh, uh, it came back. Um, so, yeah, there's still problems. Yep, man. Well, hopefully they'll get them all resolved here soon. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was not the best build. But, uh, I don't know, we'll see what happens here. Um, but let's talk a little bit about Sonoma for a little bit. Um, first of all, I just want to say I watched the top split race, and and uh, Kenny Humpy was in there at least a couple times. I was able to watch it through Michael Abrams' videos. So uh, thank you, Michael, for posting those things. And uh, Kenny Humpy was in there, and oh, my gosh, is he fast at these things, too. Yeah, he uh, showed him how it was done, huh? <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, Michael is... To, to me, when I tell him last year, he just he dominated these races last year, and this year, you know, he was just he Kenny Humpy was head and shoulders above. Well, for example, in our integrity race, Matt Busa was head and shoulders above the rest of us. Would you agree with that? Yeah. All right, Kenny Humpy was head and shoulders way above Matt Busa. How's how's that? Yeah, there you go. So it, it's but. Sonoma is a very hard, difficult track, uh, hard to keep your car on the track. Uh, personally, for me, I was successful in keeping my car on the track in the two races I did. Um, but there is one thing that I have noticed is that as I have moved up in splits, keeping your car on the track just doesn't cut it anymore. I have to get faster. I have to get better at these road tracks um, because uh, you know, I finished... 14th on Thursday and 17th on on Saturday and you know that's just mid-pack and you know I had zero incidents the first time one incident second time and it just wasn't good enough I gotta get faster yeah so, I, uh, I agree with that I'll take a fifth and ninth yeah well, yeah Carlos is fast though now in previous seasons you're right all I had to do is finish and it was like a top 10 but it seemed like now that we're in these higher splits, it's just like you said, uh, you've got to do more than finish or you're not going to have a good finish, you know. Uh, and I, I had a bad run at Sonoma, 18th and 17th, and basically lost 50i rating every time I started. So uh, uh, not a good week for me. Yeah, Carlos, you had a 5th and 9th? Uh, might have been 6th and a 9th. The sixth on Thursday and the ninth Saturday, which I was in the race with you guys, and you're definitely right. It gets much more competitive and difficult the higher splits. Yep, and Carlos is fast, as you guys know from his track guides uh, that he put out. He can he can motor around these things, um, and so he, he, he's a lot faster than Mike and I. And uh, but yeah, I gotta get the. I got to get near Carlos if I'm gonna do anything here. So that's all I gotta say is that Sonoma was uh, just one of those tracks where I got to get better. <laughs> I don't know. It bothered me so much after getting done with the races that I could not get to the pace some guys are running. So I was just practicing left and right after. Well, no pun intended there, but then after uh, the races were done, just trying to see where they're getting this time, could not figure it out. Yep. Uh, let me uh, bring up something before I bring up Daytona here. 
Um, one thing that we see in the road races is we see a lot of guys that normally don't run the NIS, that they're normally guys that yes. run the road the road uh, side of the SEM. And they come in there, they run the NIS, and, and a lot of them do pretty well. Uh, we've had some reports of guys with, uh, you know, like a 5,000 road I rating running in a 1,300 oval I rating race and dominating the race. And some people get upset about it. Um, I, for one, say, you know what, that's where they're, they're at. And these guys are just happen to be better than, than me or, or you. And that's the way it is. If you want to get good at it, uh, um, you can work on road, but, uh, but it, I, I, I like the fact that they're in there and it, I think it, uh, gives more of a challenge and motivation. Yeah, I, I noticed that too. There were some ringers as I call them in my race and, and yeah, absolutely. They got some spots that, you know, I was probably hoping for, but, uh, no, I wouldn't exclude them. You know, like you said, uh, let them race. Well, I mean, I certainly want to be, I wouldn't want to be excluded from road racing. Right. It's just odd the way that, uh, you know, the, the splits are seeded from your oval eye rating, uh, you know, when it's clearly a road race. True. True. Um, but it does count on, counts on your oval and it uh, is a NASCAR track because you were racing a NASCAR car so but uh, you know it's uh, it it was tricky for some of them too and so it's a it's it's a difficult car difficult difficult track to drive on a road track so anyway I had no problem but I there was a lot of grief we should say on the forums that we saw about that but uh, I say, uh, personally, get over it. <laughs> All right, Daytona. Uh, this past Monday night, we raced in the Integrity League at Daytona. And um, so, Mike, what do you think of the new drafting model? How's that? How's it just flat out? How do you like that? You know, I haven't been in the car enough to really tell you uh, an honest answer. Uh, I was uh, destroyed in uh, the first... Uh, yeah, I, I was involved in uh, several incidents Monday night and got uh, kicked out of the race on the incident limit of 12, which I thought was really low. Um, so I didn't get a lot of laps, and then last night in the open, I was out in the first caution. So, Yep, I joined you on that one. Well, this is kind of what I saw. Um, you do, you can run in the back and, and catch up to the cars in front of you. So th they they fixed that issue where if you were in the back of the pack, you'll lose and, you know, drop off the pack and, and that's it. Oh, that's still there. It's not it's as bad, bad though. Yeah. yeah. I think, Carlos, you experienced that when we did the open qualifying on Monday. Yep. I was locked right onto them and they just pulled away from me still. But, you know, it's not nearly as really bad as it was. And but there's there's some things that I saw, which kind of made me. First of all, on these on these play tracks, I normally like to qualify. I try to qualify, be up near the front, and try to hang up the hang near the front. Um, 
one thing that I've noticed in uh, the videos that I've watched, the races I've heard about, and being in Monday, is there's a lot of wrecks that happen. And it's either because the difference between the drafting model the way it is today compared to the way it was last time, if you remember last time, you couldn't lift. You better keep your foot down, otherwise you're going to lose the draft, right? Yep. All right, so now yeah, this it's time. Yeah, I agree. It's much easier this time. Uh, I was doing, a, in the few laps I did get, I was lifting a lot uh, in the pack, so to speak. Right. Um, but, and you also, last time too, was that if you're on the outside, you could side draft a lot to be able to try to get, uh, keep up with the inside line. And this time I'm watching more wrecks happen because of the side drafting than I've ever seen before. I don't know if you were saying that code I'm saying or the aggressive drivers. Or some combination of both. Yep. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at too is that is that people are getting too close. I do think that there's netcode issues. So, you know, as you know, there's collision models, and it's based off, off of pixels and how many pixels are part of that collision. Now, you know, just because that you could see the car next to you and you're right up next to it, that could be an incident right there. But there also could be, because of this draft model, there could be, like, air taken off the car on the inside, because I think that's what I saw the most, was I would see the inside car get out of control when they're being side-drafted a lot. And, of course, when the inside car gets out of control, it ends up drifting up, and there you got your large crash. It has another issue there. People are talking about the car. is somewhat seems to be too planted to the ground. Too much grip. Yeah, I heard that, too. But you know what? With the quality of drivers we have now, I don't think it's a good idea to change it. I would like it to, but you know. Yep. So, so I'm. I actually like the draft model now, but I'm kind of wondering: is there is there issues? Again, with uh, going back to the build problems, is there issues with lagging too much? Is is there issues with um, people uh, I don't know, it, is it is it just is it just purely the driving or is there something else going on with the sim do you think right it's hard to say uh, but I think you might be on to something you know there are a lot of connection type problems going on right now that are unresolved and uh, yeah so we'll we'll see because we're we're all going to be doing our races this week. Uh, but speaking of that, there was a uh, open race last night. I did not race in it. Uh, Mike, take it away. What happened last night? <laughs> well, that unfortunately I was involved in the first caution, but when it happened, uh, it was kind of chaotic because it was not like it has been all season. Single file restarts. No wave buys, no lucky dogs. Lap cars were down to the inside, while the lead lap cars were on the outside lane. Uh, it was like Sears point rules. 
It was like 2003 rules. Yeah, it's like uh, NASCAR 2003. Yeah. But uh, yeah, everyone was a little shocked. Uh, in team speak, we quickly figured out it was happening in all the splits. So it was the same for everybody. Uh, and I did report this to iRacing personally uh, this morning. I uh, did get a uh, finally a confirmation from them that they are looking into it uh, this afternoon. And I hope they get this addressed before the race that starts in about an hour from now. Yeah, I have to admit, I'd be uh, pretty frustrated if the rules weren't uh, the same as that we have raced with for since I've been on iRacing. And, um, but I think someone just made a mistake, and I'm actually pretty disappointed in iRacing that there was no one, no double checks on that. That's whoever set it up uh, uh, probably set it up for like, yeah, probably set it, you know, they, they probably had Sonoma set, and okay, that's. And so then they probably put on yellow flags and then moved on. Um, but of course, they did not check all these other ones here. So, but there was no double checking or anything like that. And that, to me, that's very disappointing. And boy, I hope it is not that way for the fixed and the open um, Friday and Sunday. Yeah, I hope they get it fixed. Uh, anyone who set up a hosted race understands all the different uh, things that you have to select there to set up the race. And I remember when I was adminning in a league, you, we had to double check each other. You know, it, it was like the guy setting it up would read it off in TeamSpeak, uh, all the different settings. And sure enough, uh, one of them would be wrong, you know, that he thought he had it right. You know, we would double check the work, so to speak. And, and you're right, you know, with uh, iRacing, they need to have a procedure in place. It doesn't take but a few seconds for somebody to put, you know, a second set of eyes on it. Right. And, again, again this, is their, this is their biggest series. This is the one that has the most participation in. This is the biggest series that lasts, you know, 10 months out of the year. And there should have been a double check on it. So it's kind of disappointing, but anyway, we'll find out what happens, and uh, and that's uh, just too bad. Um, next, I want to say that uh, speaking of the NIS and NASCAR and all this other stuff, that we had a listener comment about how we are too NASCAR focused. Well, uh, reason for that is because we're all basically oval drivers. Um. And that's mainly our main focus on this thing. Um, one of the things that we try to do is we try to bring on guests every time to get some diversity in into our into our topics. Um, just want to uh, thank uh, Gary Budzin for that and his iTunes review. Uh, appreciate that, and uh, just let uh, Gary know uh, we're going to talk a little road <laughs> right now. Old road uh, warrior. And and real quick, also Gary mentioned he tried our app I and I changes for the motion cockpit stuff from last episode and said he loved it. So I'm glad to hear people have heard about it and tried it and actually like it. So uh uh thanks, uh Gary. And uh you know, it's tough to be talking road, you know, when we're only oval racers, but yeah, we'll try to get some guests on. Maybe we can get Gary uh to, as a guest. Yeah, that would be nice. But to let you know that we're not all just oval racers. I know Mike was pretty much mainly or just focused on oval there. But uh, 
Um, I race a lot of the road, and uh, I know Carlos does some road racing. And Carlos, have you done any GT1 races this season? Oh, hell, not since uh, the Glen when the car was pretty much made out of paper. I just didn't feel like driving anymore in that series, but I have been doing GT3 and a ton of Star Mazda. Okay, well, let me talk a little bit about my GT1 experiences so far. Um, one of the things that I was afraid of with GT1 is that uh, is that I would see that being real popular series, which which it is. It's a real popular series, but bring a lot of the the shenanigans, let's call it, from the Blanc Plain Sprint Series into GT1, um, which is a lot of wrecking um, and just a lot of, I don't know, I, I like to use the word crapola, a lot of that kind of stuff going on in there. And sure enough, that's kind of what's happening. And so um, I do like the series. I, I drive the Aston Martin myself. Uh, I personally... Uh, I'm thinking about getting the Corvette because, uh, you know, here that's a wonderful car and fun to drive. Um, so I'm going to continue racing the series. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, I've, I've raced in uh, three races so far. We've had the Glen, Spa, and Monza. I've had um, decent success out of, uh, out of those uh, three places so far. I found the, the car is fun to drive. It's just... Uh, you got to avoid the wrecks, and that kind of reminds me of the uh, block plane sprint a little bit, just to avoid the, avoid the wrecks. Now, uh, Carlos, uh, what have you been doing in the block plane sprint so far? I think I've just only done, uh, what was it, Road America? I think that's pretty much the only race I did in GT3, but I did two of them, and they were actually quite fun. And actually, believe it or not, one of the cleanest GT3 races I've ever been in in my life. I'm assuming all the GT3 guys went over to GT1, and that's probably why you have some of that shenanigary, whatever you call it. Yeah, I also can back that up. I, I, I'm an avid forum reader. There was one guy in there flaming about GT1 saying it's the new need for speed because of how, how the racing is going over there. Yeah, it's a, it's a little wild. Um, I have been racing the Blanc Paint Sprint, even though I went, didn't plan to this season, but I've been running it. Um, I've had, a, 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 again, a fairly okay. Uh, Zanvoort was a, was not my best race there. Um, that's a tough track for me. So, and But uh, I did pretty good at uh, Road America, uh, except for one race I didn't do very well. So spun out. And... Uh, then they had Montreal, which I, I got to tell you, I hate Montreal for you guys that have raced it. It's one of those tracks where you go fast, then you got to slow down for a chicane. Go fast, slow down for a chicane. And it's... It's a typical F1 track, right? Oh, man, you know, I call it, I personally call it Punt City. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, so I've I actually had I've done two races there and I've actually had some success because of the fact I I avoided those stuff and let other people happen to them. How's that? And so I've actually had a couple decent races there because of because of that. Except for that one you got spun in one. Yeah, I spun in one, but uh, I came back and finished uh, um, better than halfway. So I was actually happy with that. But yep, I. 
I did uh, take a spin in the, it's actually might be the second turn there, but uh, someone was having problems on the outside of me. I was trying to go in on the inside, then they cut the corner, and there I was. But um, but otherwise, it's uh, the sprint race has been pretty fun. And also let you know that uh, I've been involved in the endurance races uh, with uh, Jason K. Miller. Me and him teamed up for the endurance series this season. And we've been uh, racing the McLaren around. And um, we're not in the higher split. We're actually in more of the second or third or fourth split. Um, but we've uh, raced two of them so far, the Zamvort, uh, where we finished uh, in, I believe, uh, like 11th. But that was only out of 22 cars. And then we finished fifth at Road America out of 53 cars there. So um, we're having fun with that endurance racing. And uh, I don't think either one of us are looking forward to Montreal uh, this week. But uh, but anyway, it's, uh, endurance racing has been fun. I, I, it's one of the things I enjoy is that team aspect of the, of the racing. And uh, for any of you guys that haven't tried the McLaren, get in that McLaren, have some fun. And um, stay away from the curbs. Yeah, stay away from the curbs, though, because it, it, it doesn't like curbs that much, but it's a very, very fun car. And speaking of the McLaren, uh, I'm personally going to be racing the McLaren at the six hours of Glen of the Road Warrior uh, with uh, Carlos and uh, Colton. And, uh, Mike, what do you got planned for the Road Warrior here? I haven't planned. I think Jose and I were kind of talking about the HPD, but uh, I don't think we've settled on anything. Jose, you joined us. Uh, is HPD going to be your car of choice, do you think? All right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, uh, HPD would be fine with me. I don't have a problem with them. I just have to practice it a little bit. That's all. Yeah, I think uh, last time, Mike, I think you mentioned uh, when we were at Sebring, I think you mentioned that uh, you'd rather be in the fast car than the slower cars yeah it's just a matter of uh, you know i don't want to be the guy getting past i want to be the guy passing true you also have to be the guy watching out for everyone too yeah you know i'm not certainly not a road racer uh kind of just keep doing it because we did so well at the beginning of the road warrior series uh so yeah i'll run it we'll see what happens yep i'm Personally, looking forward to it. I love the McLaren at the Glen. So, uh, should be a lot of fun. And uh, That's a week from this Saturday, I believe, at uh, 9 a.m. Eastern. Starts pretty early. Yep. Uh, yeah, July 11th. So, everyone, uh, fire up with your uh, GT3 or your HPD and get out there and uh, have some fun at Watkins Glen. Six-hour race. Must have at least two racers. So uh, have some fun there. All right. Uh, also, let you know I've been racing a lot of Skip Barbers. Um, to me, Skip Barber is just a fun series. It's a D-class series, um, but it's uh, to me that car is fun with the new engine sounds. It's great, and uh, and really you can throw that car around and and uh, have a lot of have a lot of fun with that. So if you uh, haven't done much road and you uh, get yourself a D-class, I would suggest jumping in those Skip Barbers. They're fun races. 
and they run every hour so you can just go ahead and and get your uh, get your road racing in um want to mention at uh Dimajeski wins again how about that we probably never heard that before right a real race we're talking about now let's, let's make <laughs> sure we understand <laughs> yeah a real race and uh you run ran at rockford illinois at the all-star 100 and as you know iRacing is their main sponsor or is his main sponsor on his car so congratulations to ty a little side note uh ran with ty at the usa speedway in the late models and uh he blew us away as usual he won so, yeah yeah he wins again how about that Even yeah some, the, somebody posted about this in the forum they put up a picture uh, and it, his car is is awesome. It's a Ford Fusion, and it's got the iRacing logo big and bold across the hood. Looks really good. Yep. Damn good racer. Let's just say that. Young guy, damn good racer. Has a career. Um, I want to mention a website, iRacer Info. Mike, I know you looked up uh, this stuff. Uh, what's on iRacer? iRacer.info. Yeah, racer.info. I just kind of stumbled across this, uh, found it somewhere in the forums, and boy, somebody has a lot of free time on their hands, it looks like, but they built this website that basically outlines iRacing participation statistics, how many people participate in various series. Uh, so, for example, iRacing Street Stock Series for 2015 Season 3 Fixed they have at 2,591 total. But iRacing Advanced Legends, only 857. So I kind of found this neat is if you're looking for a new series that you want to be in and you want to check participation numbers, this is a great resource for that. It is. That's, uh, that is something I, I saw on there that I had let you know. It shows each, each week. Uh, what the participation numbers are, and uh, I would also saw what might have been disappointing, like the sprint series, for example, where you only see like the participation being 13, 14 for the week, and you know um, that's probably for the one race that they have, which is their SOF race, their strength of field race that they have on Thursday nights. You know, so it was, um, so you can also see that too. Yeah, and one trick. Uh as you scroll down, you see all the 13-week seasons. If you want to see NIS, uh, use the drop-down at the top. And I did pull up the NASCAR iRacing Series Open, my favorite. And uh, an interesting stat here is average uh, uh, how many people start each race. From 2014 to 2015, 2014 was 494 average. In 2015, we're down to 436. So participation is down a little bit from last year. Interesting. Well, there is a reason for that. Uh, if you remember last year, um, the A Open NASCAR Racing Series was a pre-qualifying for the Pro. Uh, right, production. they changed that. They changed that this year, which is no longer. Uh, now it's actually the, the Open Series A class. That's the, uh, the way into Pro. Uh, that's why participation has gone down, in my opinion, at least. Yeah, good point. Very good point. 
Yeah, so, so check it out. Neat website. Yep. Um, Mike purchased new pedals. Mike, <laughs> what'd you buy? <laughs> well, I finally did it. I bought the uh, main performance PC. Uh, their pedals called Sim Pedals. And uh, they'll be here tomorrow. They're actually in transit, UPS ground, so I cannot wait. And you got to tell us a little bit more about them. Like, what kind of uh, extras did you buy? Because I know there's add-ons to it. Yeah, originally I think he offered a, a non-hydraulic version and a hydraulic version. At this point, he only offers a hydraulic version. And so I got that uh, as the base, so to speak. Uh, and then I also bought the Obutto Revolution uh, brackets to go with it. And that's the package. And it was about 1400 out the door with shipping. And uh, it'll mount right to my uh, cockpit here. It's uh, specially designed just for that. So it should be literally plug and play as soon as it gets here. $1,400 pedals with a, what, sub-200 other wheel? Yeah, so I'm mixing it with the G27. Uh, yeah, so it, it's interesting. As soon as I purchased the pedals, my thinking automatically, I started thinking about wheels. <laughs> I and I started looking up wheels, and, and it's just like the next thing, you know, I'm going to start working on. Now, it took me, anyone who knows me knows that I've been looking at these pedals and buying pedals for at least a year and a half. So it's not like I just decided to willy-dilly do this. Uh, it's been in the plan for a long time. So by next show, you ought to be able to give us some kind of review, right? Uh, I don't know. Maybe a year and a half from now, I'll get the wheel. So. No, I mean for the for the pedals. Oh yeah, I'll definitely give you some review and uh, let you know what I think. Uh, but from what I've seen about them, and I think here's the most telling fact: every time people have these pedals for sale, you look at the forums and you look at the hardware section and you see what people are selling. They bought them, and they don't like them, and they're selling them, and they're trying to get rid of them. And you see that occasionally with these other brands, but I've never seen this particular make and model from this particular guy ever uh, get resold again since he's uh, started selling them. I think it was last fall. So I think that's pretty telling, too. So lots of good reviews out there. I'm, I'm sure it was a good buy. All right. So, congratulations on uh, having your wife allow you to buy some new pedals. Yes. You are still married, I'm assuming. Yes, and now the fight is uh, trying not to spend money over the 4th of July weekend. Uh, trying to make up for that. But All right. Um, then we got a couple of uh, follow-up items for uh, our hardware that we talked about before. We talked about the, the wooden... Uh, triple monitor stand that was just called stand in the box uh lets you know it has a name and now a website it's now called rift rig so you can find that at uh riftrig.com that's r-i-f-t-r-i-g.com and uh it's a kind of an easy uh do-it-yourself uh they send you everything you need to be able to put together a, a triple monitor stand so that's uh, kind of neat. And then we have a little follow-up on the new AMD Fury cards that we talked about uh, last show. 
and just want to let you know that some uh, reviews have been coming in a little bit and there have been several reports of the cooling system not working yeah so be weary of that if, if you're looking for a new a video card and uh some uh, someone uh posting the forums of their um I wouldn't call this hardware, but uh, it's something for people that like to wear something on their feet when they're driving that is a little bit more than socks and a little bit less than shoes. Is uh, <laughs> And you can go check this out. It's, uh, it's SIM footwear on there. And um, basically what he has done is he has taken a pair of socks and put a piece of cardboard on the bottom and, and put some spray rubber on there. So he's got himself some racing shoes. <laughs> I, it's so. a cool idea. I kind of li like it. This is the same guy who does the rift rig that does the stand in the box. Uh, so this is also his idea. And it, it's kind of neat. He, he's basically putting that grippy rubber stuff on the bottom of, you know, ankle socks. And, uh. I wear ankle socks, but I never thought about putting rubber grippy stuff on it. But maybe I'll try it. I don't know. Yeah, I'll just tell you guys what I do is that uh, um, as anybody's ever had you stay in the hospital, they you know they give you socks that have grippies on the bottom of them, and so I have several pairs of those, and that's what I wear. That's a picture. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, and then we, uh, apparently David Tucker had his, uh, opportunity to try the AccuForce wheel. Now for you guys that don't know what the AccuForce wheel, it's a direct drive wheel made by Sim Experience. And if you want to know what a direct drive wheel is, it's basically a powerful motor or it isn't maybe not that powerful, but it has a lot of torque in it. And uh, direct drive wheel is supposed to feel more real than anything else out there for wheels. Um, it is pricey. Uh, the AccuForce wheel by Sim Experience is actually the uh, probably the least expensive uh, pre-made wheel that's direct drive uh, out there. Um, and I also want to mention that a lot of people are doing what you might see in the forums called OSW, which stands for Open Sim Wheel. It's a do-it-yourself type of thing where you order a motor and you order the stuff and you put it all together and you come up with your own direct drive stuff and, and or build your own direct drive wheel. And I believe that the lowest price that you can get for all that equipment is around $1,100. And the AccuForce wheel costs $1,800 at some experience. But uh, if you're looking for the uh, one of the top of the line wheels, um, AccuForce is a, is, is a pretty decent wheel. Um, and, and But there's a, a few things that I just want to say. David Tucker, he tried it out. He thinks it's probably the most... Uh, what uh accurate accurate wheel yeah accurate wheel that there is for for sim racing and it gives you the most feedback on on everything that there is and i know that uh they also have software 
that comes with this wheel that, you, that with uh, AccuForce wheel software that comes with it where you can basically really fine-tune your force speed feedback on exactly everything you want to feel including stuff like uh, engine rumbles and and you know rumble strips you can you can turn the force feedback or turn it down low on on every little detail that you want on the wheel so that's uh, that's pretty good and but there is one thing I want to say that there is a lot of torque to this thing so if you do hit a wall or are in a crash or something like that um, as you know the wheels can turn on you and uh, since there is a direct drive with a powerful motor behind this thing uh, it is possible for you to get hurt with these wheels but uh, just like in real life uh, you might have seen the pictures or someone getting in an accident and the first thing they do is take their hands off the wheel um, I don't know if that is the experience but it's possible because uh, we've uh, probably heard of people uh, breaking their wrists or something like that on the wheel so um, anyway it's a powerful wheel uh, the next wheels down from that are called uh, belt drive wheels and that's where you find your Thrustmaster uh, 300 500 uh, wheels um, and Fanatec wheels um, which are more in the reasonably priced Fanatec as you know is like $500 for the base another $250 for the wheel itself so we're like in around $800 total for the package there uh, Thrustmaster uh, their T500 uh, with a set of pedals is around six fifty seven hundred dollars you come with their uh set of well, i think that might be for the their pro pedals which actually um have a better feeling in the in the brake than their regular pedals that they come with the wheel and i think the wheel itself with just the regular standard set of three pedals around five hundred dollars and then you have their t300 which is actually a newer product than the t500 um, which is a belt uh, uh, driven uh, wheel and that just comes with the, like a standard set of two pedals uh, probably something that you wouldn't want to exactly race with but they're a nice starter set of pedals but um, the wheel is actually pretty good and uh, I've heard fabulous reviews on the T300 wheel from Thru Thrustmaster and so that's a good wheel to get and then you get down to your gear uh, driven motor wheels or which are like the Logitech G27, G25, DFGT um, you get down to those which of course are, are lower price uh, than that but uh, uh, of course I think most people that are probably on here drive with the G27 so a lot of people like those things and um, but uh, Anyway, those are pretty much the standards of wheels. Oh, another uh, wheel company I want to mention that makes direct drive is Leo Bodner Wheel. Um, you guys probably have heard of some of his uh, add-ons that he has for like the G27. So you can, uh, um, you don't have to hook your pedals up to the wheel itself. You can use the USB cable for them. Uh, so he has like those type of add-ons, but he also has a direct drive wheel. Um, which is quite pricey, around $1,000 more than the AccuForce, so it's around $2,800. So wow. a lot of choices for wheels out there. Um, I'm, I, personally, uh, just, uh, I'm personally looking into wheels. Right now i got the DFGT, and I would like to do a step up, and I think the step up I'm looking for is actually the belt drive, and I'm looking at the T300 from Thrustmaster right now. I, 
I am not going to put $1,800 down for a direct drive wheel. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, yeah, I've also, like I said, was looking at wheels and trying to determine, you know, what do I want, you know, and what are the differences between the belt and the direct drive and that kind of thing. And I'm going to read a quote here that David Tucker wrote about using the AccuForce wheel, which happens to be a direct drive. And it kind of gives you a feel of these different levels between the belt and the direct. So here we go. My story is simple enough. I've had a chance to try almost all the wheels out there, and I've found that every wheel has its place. Many more people can afford an AccuForce that can afford a Leo wheel, and many more can afford a Fanatec than an AccuForce, and so on down the price chain. However, when I first tried a direct drive wheel, I was blown away by how much detail we actually output to the wheel. So, quote, that's the end of the quote. So what, what he's saying here is, yeah, I've tried a G27, I've tried a Fanatec, and I've never felt the detail that iRacing actually gives until I got on that direct drive uh, wheel. And then all of a sudden, it came to life. That's the way I'm reading that. Yeah, I I read it the same way, and but you know, um, if you can afford a very high end wheel, I would definitely direct drive is the way to go, because yeah. that's that's gonna that's gonna give you the total immersion factor that you want. Um, but uh, that's for the people that wanna, again, like we talked about with the hobby stuff and how much you're willing to pay for it, you can price it out the way you want to price it out and so here's a good example of uh, the AccuForce is $1,800 Leo Bodner is uh, $2,800 and I believe there's a, a, a another one um, that puts one out there that's even more than that uh, sorry I can't remember the name of that um, but uh, it's you you know if, if if I had the money later on I would get myself an AccuForce yeah yeah, it's certainly uh, uh, candy, eye candy kind of thing, and uh, makes me, got, got my interest up. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, if there's other wheels that come out. You know, it's probably going to be a good year to app if we're ready to buy one, but uh, I'll be watching these closely. Yeah, maybe they'll drop down in price. Yeah. Um, I also want to say that... Uh, in our first podcast, we mentioned uh, something about rage quitting, if you guys all recall, about people that rage quit, you know, just uh, had a bad race, something happened to them, so they pop in the forums, I'm done, I'm going to sell all my stuff, and uh, in that case, on our first episode, we mentioned that Hoyt Smith was done, and we were guessing for how long he was going to be done for, my guess that he wasn't done at all, and... Uh, but and you guessed been, right. <laughs> well, he was done. He was done for about a month, wasn't he? Yeah, He's I back. think it was actually about six weeks, and he he did sell his stuff. So he can buy better stuff. Maybe he's got himself an AccuForce wheel. Well, he's back. We saw him at Sonoma. Uh, he's back, and welcome back, Hoyt. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, next time you rage quit, just remember me when you want to sell your stuff for real cheap. <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> Anyway, my suggestion actually is um, you might not want to post in the forums if, if you are just going to think about taking a break. That's 
I know a lot of people do it. A lot of people say, I'm done with iRacing, you know, that kind of stuff. I, a lot of people do it, not only Hoyt, so I'm not picking on Hoyt or anything. A lot of people do it. Uh, you know what? Just don't post it on there. It's, you know, if you want to leave for a while, leave for a while. Come back, you know, don't come back. But uh, <laughs> there's really no reason to let people know and then then come back, you know. So, uh, speaking of that, um, speaking of forum posts, I have been seeing a lot of flaming, uh, calling people not by name because they know they would be protested or banned, um, but they would be calling people out during the races. Uh, there's some people who post every week about some incident that they were in with somebody. Um, there's been a lot of arguments. Uh, Mike mentioned before about uh, uh, about the price being too high, about how there was uh, arguments between groups of people about, about the pricing of uh, iRacing. And it just seems like Seems like to me that the forum is kind of getting a little out of hand where people are just, they're not thinking when they post. They're just it's posting. kind of like Facebook, right? <laughs> well, it's like kids. It's like kids on Facebook, you know? It's like, it's like when my daughter was back in high school and people would say nasty stuff, you know? That, really? Are, are we, <laughs> I don't know. Is, but I hate to hate to see it, you know, because I really I I I don't even want to read the posts. Some a lot of them, you know, I don't even, I don't want to read these things because I'm just tired of people just arguing, and I'm tired of just seeing pictures in the in the posts with some writing on it, just you know, or the songs that come up as soon as you get into the uh, into a into a forum topic and and you hear this song over your you know, loudspeaker or whatever. It's just, I don't know. It's just, uh, you've been rickrolled. Yeah. I just wish there was a little bit more respect, but the thing that actually, the thing that bothers me most is that the people that are in races and they're involved in the incidents with people. And so they flame them without naming them, but they flame them on the forums. And you have also a lot of those, someone posts a replay up or, about whose fault is this, you know? And then if someone comes up and says, well, it looks like it might have been both of you, and then the person that posted the original argues with that person, you know, then don't post it. If, if, yeah. if, you, yeah, if, if you feel it was the other person's fault, don't ask, whose fault is this? <laughs> you know, so it, it, I don't know. To me, it's just respect, respect. You know, show some respect in the forums, show some respect in the games. It's also another thing is that uh, during a lot of races, I hear a lot of people yelling at each other. And and uh, be honest with you, that's what drove my son off this game, and I feel bad about that. And I wish that uh, I wish that people didn't do that. And um, and I, you know, I'm not going to protest anybody, and I don't think anybody should be protested over this stuff. Um, but I think it should be up to the individual themselves to show respect so anyway that that was my final thought here um, here yeah mike you got final thought 
Uh, hey, we we got a couple iTunes reviews now. We we're looking for some more guys, and hey, we want uh, a mailbag. We want to start a mailbag uh, a section. We want your questions, your thoughts, your comments, uh, and hey, you can reach us on Facebook, Twitter, uh, YouTube, you name it. You can find us. We're iRacers Lounge. All right. Carlos, do you have any final thoughts? Well, as usual, not very much, but I will put this out there for my track guides. Make sure to go visit them if you're struggling at a track at youtube.com slash chewyside55 or just search Sim Racing Chewyside on YouTube. And there's plenty of guides there that I'll probably do from here to the end of the year with every change that comes up with iRacing. So, you know, that'll work. And hopefully Daytona goes well tonight. And um, hopefully everyone has a good uh, Independence Day weekend, if you're an American. All right. Jose, any final thoughts for today's show? Uh, no, not really. I'm, I'm, my apologies for showing up a little late there. Uh, so I really don't have much else to say. All right. Jonas, uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, you have any final thoughts for today's show? All right. <laughs> he's racing. Oh, yeah. Okay, he's racing. All right. So, anyway, uh, that is the show f uh, number six, I believe, yeah. for us. And uh, thank you all for listening, and please subscribe. So, that's it. Thank you. See ya. Thanks for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure to subscribe to us over on iTunes and Stitcher. See you on the track.